0: Welcome to the Letter. Podcast, where you can let out your deepest warranted or unwarranted opinion. Today, I'm co hoser with Masan, and he's going to be letting you know about our topics.
1: So, yeah, we're on episode 17, I believe, and we're going to bring y'all more COVID-19, um, the importance of speaking up against social injustice, um, some stuff on um, Alabama trying to make vasectomies mandatory and we even got y'all um some nurses opinion and yeah we'll try to put it in for you for y'all to get like um, a professional pr- opinion on covid 19 and so on so yeah um now it's time for us to let it out and so like usual um we're going to start with some covid 19 um information just an update i guess Um, So the world cases is at approximately 3.5 million as of uh, May 3rd. So once you listen to it on maybe May 4th or after, it's probably going to be uh, slightly like even pretty much like 3.5 million cases um, with like 1.2 million cases for the U.S., the death toll. For the world is at like 250,000 and the death toll for the U.S. is like 70,000. So the numbers are staying kind of consistent for the U.S. especially. And um, it's starting to lead to um, people trying to figure out, like, is it time to reopen and so on. Plenty of states are starting to reopen. We even discussed it on some episodes before. Um, So um, the CDC released. Um, the nine main symptoms for somebody with signs of COVID-19. Um, with the first being cough, the second being shortness of breath or difficulty breathing, the third being fever, the fourth being chills, the fifth being repeated shaking with chills, the sixth being muscle pain, the seventh being headache, the eighth being sore throat, and the ninth being being new loss of taste or smell so all of the symptoms were pretty much told up before the CDC just decided to release them to make sure like uh, people are aware of all of the symptoms um, to go with it. So yeah, stuff like the loss of taste and smell um, is probably um, the one to really look for since it's so odd and yeah, so unusual compared to most types of like sicknesses and so on. So Um, since people are, like, dealing with plenty of difficulties with trying to find ways to, like, stop the disease or try to, like, keep it from, um, causing too much damage to people, the FDA decided to approve the use of the antiviral remdesivir. Um, we spoke of it before and just discussed it. Um, it was used for some previous, um... Uh, like coronaviruses and viruses and so on. And so the FDA finally approved it um, only for emergency situations um, And the FDA also approved The Roche holding AG antibody tests so as people are looking for antibody tests to figure out like if they are immune one um, was approved um, from the FDA so um, some optimism might be coming from recent like serological or antibody tests with 21% of some 3,000 New York City patrons uh, being tested for antibodies testing positive. So 21% of 3,000 New York City people were tested and were, yeah, positive for antibodies. So 21% already developed antibodies, which is good. Um, At a study in Chelsea, Massachusetts, 32% um, 32% of people tested for antibodies tested po- positively, and so the idea of people gaining herd immunity is basically becoming um, like seen, I guess, or recognized. People were wondering, like, is it going to take very long for herd immunity um, to occur. And it looks like in some places like New York City and New York's been like the main place for COVID-19, people are starting to develop the antibodies and it might lead to herd immunity um, going on. So um, some people are seemingly trying to make their way to the forefront of herd immunity, um, like some people in Orange County. So um, since people were packing beaches and so on in Orange County, Governor Gavin Newsom decided to put um, a weekend ban or at least a weekend ban on people going to Orange County beaches uh, because of the large number of people going. Um, people started to protest and city officials wanted to end closures despite case numbers continually um, increasing each day over like the past month or so for Orange County. Um, how do you feel about people trying to protest going to the beach, Sam? Is so- Especially if it's just for like one or two weeks or so, Um, with the case numbers still continuing to rise. um, If they just wait for um, the case numbers to even out or start to decline, um, it'd be way safer, yeah. Um, So um, quarantine restrictions are being eased up across the country, uh, but case numbers are still staying pretty consistent. Um, Even places like New York and New Jersey are starting to open outdoor public places, um, even with the case numbers being so large. So people are ready to get out. It's been like six weeks or so, um, at least one month or so, since most places started to quarantine. Um, LA County um, became basically one of the first maybe counties. It seems like LA County has been one of the first counties, um, and it's gotten so many cases, Um, So the part of the county, like parts of the county um, are starting to offer free appointment based testing at city run sites. So if you're out in L.A. County, um, you might um, find some way to set up an appointment to go and um, get yourself tested. Um, So, yeah, um, overall, um, the debate on um, is it time to um, reopen is. Yeah, really debatable. Um, We talked about it last week and so on. Um, Some people think it's too early. If you think it's too early, you're welcome to play it safe. Um, Seems like some people are going to try to just go out and um, I guess try to find some way to deal with it. Um, So um, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, basically with the idea of herd immunity and the idea of it may be coming back and so on said um, it's almost certain it will come back because the virus is transmissible and it's globally spread. So even if it does go away for a season or so or a season or two or three months or six months or so on, um, it's presumably going to return. Um, so, yeah, just your quick COVID-19 update. Um, we usually talk about it, so I try to keep it kind of quick. Sam, would you like to um, speak on COVID-19 anymore uh, before we try to just move on from it?
0: No, I'm, I'm all good.
1: All right, cool. So like I was saying before, for our second topic, we are going to talk about the importance of speaking up against social injustice. So um, history books are filled with people speaking up and leading to social revolutions um, to end injustices and corrupt systems of oppression. Going back to events like the Boston Tea Party in um, Europe, the abolishment of slavery and the civil rights movements in the US and the revolution against apartheid in South Africa to go with even the Me Too movement of today. Plenty of people um, stood up, spoke up And made some type of difference from doing so. Um, So, for the love of animals, what does it even mean to speak up against social injustice today, Sam?
0: Is it for the love of animals? Yeah. What do you mean for the love of animals?
1: Oh, I was just asking, what does it mean to speak up against (laughs) social injustice today?
0: What does it mean to speak up against social injustice today Um, on a, like philosophical level like on a, on a moral level what, what are you talking about
1: yeah i guess i mean like um to speak up
0: mm-hmm. i guess what it what it means is i mean to me uh i guess i mean what it means to me to speak up against social justice it means to be uh to be aware <laughs> that a social injustice is happening and to be i guess morally conscious enough to understand you know the impact of not speaking up um what, what the impact of not speaking up will do and and to be brave i mean you gotta have some sort of, i mean when you talk about like social justice and all these kinds of terms uh, one term that comes to me is just like bravery um you have to be brave to speak up against injustice so that's what it means to me yeah
1: yeah yeah i agree um so even with plenty of america's social injustice platforms seeming to be smaller like these days and so many laws or social equality are part of society it's still important to remember why it's important to speak up against social injustice so even when it comes to small acts of injustice or seemingly less important platforms speaking up often keeps situations from worsening so trying to tough out situations um, as opposed to speaking up sometimes leads to the situation getting out of control so yeah like you were saying basically If the situation might get out of control and you're aware of it maybe getting out of control, um, it's smart to speak up to it. It's smart to recognize um, the implications of speaking up and um, not speaking up, I guess so. So um, social stigma is oftentimes the main fear of speaking up. Losing friends, opportunity, or even health and wealth are all sometimes consequences of trying to create one's way to equality. The contrary is also true if the attempt to speak up is successful. So speaking up at the right time is basically like stopping a sickening influenza. If people are prompted and willing to listen to the guidelines for stopping the spread of injustice, they are more likely to be ready to stop it. Preparation is one of the keys to success, so implementing plans for speaking up to stop injustice often includes finding the right people and tools for stopping the problem. So my experience with speaking up against social injustice is few and far between. Um, with small instances uh, going on during like my life, um, my experience basically sums up to smaller attempts like sitting during the national anthem after being told to because of it being um, racist as a kid uh, most of mine like most of my acts of speaking up against social injustice are basically just personal My most recent time was probably like was probably like a few years back when I used to um, like I guess like preach or teach or give sermons at a Bible study so uh, basically some stuff was stolen from me um, from multiple places in and around the place where the Bible study, was being held. So since I stopped feeling comfortable with being part of a place where I was being treated wrongfully, especially a place um, supposedly with like Christian values values and stuff, I stepped down from my position and told people why. It wasn't like an extremely radical instance of trying to put an end to personal injustice, but it was an attempt. You might say I quit the situation as opposed to standing up for myself and getting my stuff back, but I made my opinion of being treated wrongfully, um, easy to recognize, and made my way out of an uncomfortable situation. Sam, are um, you willing to give us any instances of you speaking up against social injustice?
0: Um, uh, I guess social injustice is pretty broad, but you know I've been out plenty of times and people... Uh, I hear people throwing around like the N-word, right? And then, you know, they they might think they're in okay, they might be in a group setting, but I usually just go up to them and tell them that um, I really appreciate it if you didn't say that word around me. Um, So that'd be my, I guess, example of standing up. I mean, it's happened multiple times, more times than I can count, but every single time it does happen, I just really don't sit there and be quiet about it. I usually just go up and politely ask them to, you know, Recognize that whatever they're they're saying is uh, incorrect. Um, so that would be uh, me standing up or doing something or making my voice heard about social injustice. Um, but other than that, I usually stay in my house <laughs> most of the time, so nobody can really. Um, I mean, apart from like the internet, which is uh, fighting that battle, is. I don't know. It's not wise to me to, to you know, because every time you go online, there's also a bunch of social injustices you can see related towards race, you know, related towards um, people being, um, you know, misogynistic and things like that. But if you spoke up against everything that you saw on the Internet, you'd be writing or <laughs> trying to, you know, you'd be fighting that battle forever. Right. Uh, so, uh, so I online stuff, I usually don't voice my opinion directly but if i do see something that happens in in person to me personally um that's when i you know step up to the plate and you know say something about it
1: yeah 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 I, i agree um like you were saying um if you feel like people around you are doing something um like wrong to you it's good to like tell them some people um act i guess ignorant sometimes or rude and um if you're to speak up, um, at least you're um, making sure they know it. Like, they they are at least aware. You're at least making sure they are aware because they might um, say they're unaware or play dumb or so on. And, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking up, even for small stuff, is sometimes really important. Going back to why I said for the love of animals, um, I was basically just saying it because, um, like, if we're to... Um, feel like it's good to love and treat animals kindly we ought to treat treat people so much better so like for the love of animals some people say they love animals and so on and it'd be good for it to trickle down to people but yeah um as far as social injustice goes teaming up to stop malice against oneself or any group of people is oftentimes prompted by speaking up and teaming up to end oppression oppression seems like Such a strong word, and it seems like it's only supposed to be brought up during times of easily recognizable acts of plighting towards one kind. So sometimes, like, um, using the word oppression might seem like too much, but if you're at the forefront of it, it'll stop oppression from going on. So, um, basically... Uh, Making sure to stay out of the situations leading up to oppression oftentimes takes speaking up for oneself early and often so Speaking up early and often um, Is oftentimes a good way to yeah stop social injustice and so on So yeah, just speaking up speaking up seems like a small task But sometimes it leads to like big alterations and so on it leads to um, Yeah, big differences Um, So, yes, speaking up against social injustice, um, it's kind of like a soapbox, but um, sometimes it's good to discuss to try to stop it from happening. Um, So, yeah, for um, our third topic, like I was saying, um, we got um, some nurse, our friend Cassandra, to um, answer some questions, give us some advice and tell us of some personal experience um, with dealing with COVID-19 patients. So we're going to bring it up for y'all next. All right. So um, we discussed COVID-19 so much over like two months or so, and we decided um, it might be good for us to get our very own professional opinion um, from someone uh, dealing closely with it and um, someone with some experience. So, yep, yeah, we're, Ready to welcome our friend and nurse, Cassandra. Welcome to Let It Out, Cassandra.
2: Hey.
1: Yeah, so um, like I was saying, um, we were talking about COVID-19 during like late January, and it's been like our number one news story just going on and on. Um, Yeah, we discuss it pretty often. And since you got some experience with it, we want you to, yeah, just... uh, Tell us some more stuff on nursing for um, COVID-19. Maybe introduce yourself, give us some background on yourself, and we'll get right to asking questions after.
2: Okay. Um, so, like I said, my name is Cassandra. I am an emergency room nurse. Um, I'm a new nurse, actually. I graduated in May of 2019 and started working in August of 2019. So, I've really only been a nurse for about eight months,
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Imagine becoming a nurse and an epidemic breaks out. <laughs> uh, seriously. <laughs> it's
1: ridiculous. It's fast learning.
2: Yeah. We learned about it in nursing school, and I remember thinking, like, I really hope I never have to deal with any of that. Like, we would talk about Ebola and all that, and here I am.
1: Surprise. You know <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, I guess, firstly, um, I just want you to describe your experience like immediately leading up to it like maybe during late january or early february like before it um, started to outbreak so greatly like right as it was kind of starting to develop
2: um well the first thing i kind of remember about covid was um it was probably in december my sister had texted me and asked me if she asked me if the coronavirus was something be afraid of and i really didn't know what she was talking about because i i think it was just freshly coming out in the news um and i told her no like you know it's just the common like the common cough and the cold you know it's something i get that's normal i guess and then um i guess in january i started hearing more about it but i still didn't really know too much about it um, it was kind of one of those things I think that many people thought about where it was like you know on the other side of the world, not really on my radar um, and in February, I think was when I really started to like pay more attention to it because it was you know starting to spread and um it was kind of closer to home it seemed like um, I remember like reading the news and hearing about it being in Italy and um I think we actually, I just remembered something. Um, So in February, we actually had a couple of cases at my hospital, um, potentials. And I remember thinking, like, I was a little afraid because I wasn't really sure what to expect regarding the coronavirus. And nobody really knew that much about it still. So I'm guessing
1: it was scary at first.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, it's still scary, but I I think it's a little less scary now. Um, But that's pretty much as much as I can remember. February, we had a couple that we had um, tested and a couple of patients. And um, I just remember, you know, nobody really wanted to be the ones to go and deal with those patients. Um, It was more of like senior nurses that were going out and taking care of those patients. So about well, as much as I can recall up until recently like in March when it started to really hit home and it was here, you know.
1: Do you have um, to work so on that? Like you're saying, you're dealing with some patients. Was it like um, a large number of patients or was it very few?
2: Initially in February?
1: Um, yeah, and since, like even since, like is it growing as far as numbers go?
2: Um... Well, definitely we're seeing more more potentials, I guess I could say. Um, our department has been completely revamped where we've kind of converted a lot of our regular rooms into um, iso rooms or isolation rooms for these COVID patients or potentials. Um, we have a tent that we have outside of our department where we screen anybody that is a potential COVID patient. Um,
1: they don't really
2: come inside the hospital unless we feel like they're critical. So, I mean, yeah, since we've implemented a lot of the policies and the new procedures surrounding the coronavirus, um, I have been in contact with potential patients and people who have tested positive. So it's it's hard to say if there's been an increase in number but I we definitely test people every single day so
0: yeah do you do you work on a COVID do you work on a COVID floor
1: um, as far as like um our near future or your near future is it optimistic or pessimistic um do you expect it to um keep on going um or to get better or like your outlook of COVID-19 ongoing
2: Honestly, it's really hard for me to say, like part of me personally wants to remain optimistic because that's just the type of person that I am. And I want to say that things are going to get better. But at the same time, there's just this talk about like, at least in my area, there's been a talk about having a surge of all these patients um, for weeks already. And so um, it's for me, it's just kind of like trying to keep an optimistic attitude, um, surrounding the surge talk, which we feel if it does hit, then things are going to get a lot worse. Um, but as of right now, the surge that we keep talking about at my hospital, it keeps getting pushed back every month. So, I mean, in our area, I feel like we are seeing, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We are seeing, um, improvement improve not improvement but like we're seeing positive effects from sheltering in place and so it's pushing back our surge every month which is good um so i guess in that way it's optimistic but also we're still expecting a surge which is a little bit pessimistic
1: at the same time right yeah yeah okay so are you willing to suggest ways for us to better prepare for like similar similar situations going on like um was it like um correctly figured out on your end or on our end? Are we we dealing with it correctly, dealing with COVID-19 and so on? Like, Is it right, in your opinion, maybe even for us to be dealing with quarantines like we are, like summer's starting to end? Is it too soon? Um, Yeah, your opinion of our way of dealing with it so far and any suggestions on ways for us to improve it?
2: I think the way that the governor has been handling the whole situation has been pretty great. I think the shelter in place is something that I'm very, I guess, fond of. Um, It's working, and it's obvious that it's working because we haven't had a massive surge. Um, But in terms of, like, caring for these patients, there really isn't, like, I'm not sure how to explain it. There, I just feel like there isn't really one particular way to take care of them or to deal with it. Um, the quarantine, for I guess, lack of words, is probably one of the best things that we can be doing right now. It's hard, but I
1: feel like it's, it's effective. I guess um, next I was just going to ask, um, may we get some suggestions on ways to deal with and mitigate ourselves maybe dealing with symptoms of COVID-19. Like, ways for us to personally deal with it. Some suggestions on ways to keep ourselves um, from getting uh, too bad symptoms, I guess. From, um, yeah, just ways for us to deal with it, supposing we are, um, yeah, to get it. Stay off of WebMD.
2: So in terms of... um how to deal with it. I think it's really just what you hear in the news, Um, staying home and staying away from other people. Um, Some people are getting it worse than others, not sure why. Um, I mean, a lot of it probably, I think a lot of it has to do with the comorbidities like diabetes and hypertension and asthma and those sorts of things. Um, But young people are also getting pretty sick with it as well. Um, What we're telling a lot of our patients is to do a lot of symptom management which means just kind of like taking care of your aches and pains and your fevers with over-the-counter medications like Tylenol.
1: Yeah. I was, I was trying to keep myself immune, like uh, trying to keep myself from getting sick, especially as it was first starting. Like I'm always trying to keep myself from getting any type of like cough, sneeze, or just like sickness overall. Is it uh, better to keep yourself like immune in a way um, just like, from keeping yourself like at your best maybe to keep yourself from getting sick?
2: I would think so. I mean, personally I've had exposure to three, I've had three exposures to patients who have come out to be COVID positive and um, I have yet to come down with it. So, I mean, I've been taking care of myself and for me that means like eating my fruits and vegetables. Um, I've been drinking a little bit more um, or I've been taking vitamin C supplements as well. Not sure how effective that is, but I read somewhere that it could be helping.
1: Yeah, as far as immunity goes, you're probably right.
2: Just as well as, like, daily vitamins, too. I take those every day, so.
1: Yeah. And so, as far as, like, equipment goes, I'm guessing you're completely covered as you're dealing with patients, or is it kind of just, like, mask and gloves, or?
2: So, at my hospital, we do have the appropriate PPE right now. Um, We're... When we know that we're gonna going to be dealing with these patients, um, for example, when we're in our tent or in our isolation rooms, we are covered from head to toe in protective equipment. So for us, that means wearing a papper, which is those big white hoods that you see a lot of people wearing on the news with like the plastic in the front, um, as well as like a gown, gloves, shoe covers. um, Yeah,
1: like quarantine stuff.
2: Yeah, hair nets, that kind of stuff. So
1: definitely wearing all that gear when we're dealing with those patients all right so I guess lastly I was just going to ask Cassandra um, is it smart uh, for us to expect an eventual recovery from COVID-19 despite any type of medical attention like is it smart for us to expect to just get better on our own
2: so for healthy individuals I think it is smart for Like that, we we do see a lot of younger individuals um, at my hospital, and that's kind of the advice that we give them, like, expect to get better within 14 days, Um, you're young, you're healthy, but of course, if you do start to develop symptoms that are getting worse, such as shortness of breath and come back. So, for the most part, we are telling our, our patients, you know, you can expect to get better and it's really only the patients that have high comorbidities like diabetes and high blood pressure and that kind of stuff that we're a little more um, careful with, I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I have, I have asthma, so I'm just trying to stay inside. am not even trying to go out there. Yeah. yeah. I, went to, yeah I, went to, I went to Walmart the other day. <laughs> Never going back. It was terrible. people in there they just don't care (laughs) just walking around
1: I don't know as far as SoCal goes most people um, keep masks like some places only sell stuff to people with masks Um, it's like no mask no service Um, are y'all seeing um, any like situations with people like being required to put on masks to purchase or enter stores or restaurants or
0: no I'm not seeing that. Um I mean what I see is like every time I go into a store the employees have masks on and there's a few people that have masks on but there's no deliberate uh there's no signage that says, you know, wear a mask or we're not going to let you buy cereal, you know. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like that.
1: That where where did you see that? There, there's there's places like that? Yeah, um, some gas station, um some restaurants also, like uh-huh. um takeout restaurants or uh, fast food and stuff okay i have yet to buy a mask do you have a mask son? do
0: you walk around yeah. with a mask you do
1: yeah what kind of yeah. mask is it, is it like the the n95 masks it's um some painter's mask okay. uh, most like n95s and stuff were out
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah what about cassandra cassandra you, you wear a mask when you go
0: out uh, so my county just implemented a
2: required mask Starting today, actually, and I didn't know about it. I went to the chiropractor this morning, and he looked at me like I was crazy without a mask, and asked me where mine was. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't bring one. I didn't. Wasn't aware that I was supposed to." Sheesh. So, I guess starting tomorrow, next time I or next time I go, out, I'll have one on. But yeah, have you have, yeah.
0: you, have you guys experienced any shortages like, in terms of like inventory? So far, no. Okay.
2: Uh, we're pretty well stocked at my hospital, which is really good. We're also not as busy as we've been expecting so i think we still have a lot of ppe on stock
0: okay and then i asked a question that wasn't heard but do you work on like a covid floor are the floors separated for the covid patients um or do you just get or is it just you know you get sent to wherever you get sent to and it just so happens to be like a coronavirus patient
2: so um so i work in the emergency room and okay. in our department we have three rooms that are actually it's i think it's six we have six rooms that are our isolation rooms Uh and we we will use those rooms for the COVID patients um the way our department works too is that everybody has an assignment for the day so somebody can be assigned to you know those group of rooms for the whole day and that'll just be your assignment and you will be dealing with COVID patients all day long as for the COVID unit we do have one in our hospital we actually converted our pediatric unit, I believe, into a COVID isolation unit, and it's mostly the med surge nurses and the ICU nurses that work in that unit. Okay, all right.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's all the questions I had. Um, sounds yeah, yeah. sounds scary.
1: Um, yeah, as far as like um, our government goes, and um, our like um, basically orders to stay in place um are we all like okay with it like are we all okay with like our government's way of getting us to try to stay in place are we all okay with our yeah so are no, i'm i'm 100
0: i'm an I'm introvert so basically whatever they're saying i stand by 100 percent. i agree with it if it was a law i'd be one of the first people to vote online of course but um yeah i really i I don't understand why people like going outside anyway. <laughs> just,
1: it's
0: good to stay active. I can stay active indoors. Listen, there's there's nothing good for you out will be, there. It
1: will be. You want
0: some nature? Go look at some video of somebody in the mountains or something. That's that does it for me, man. Spray some um some whatever, some uh, like some Febreze that smells like the outside. You'll be fine. <laughs> it be good okay.
2: I'm for it I mean I I totally agree with that I think it's a great thing to be doing right now my fiance actually decided to go and have um, a beer with his friends but they were all six feet apart at the park and I was very mad about it so oh.
1: yeah. yeah interesting okay. wait is it legal to drink at parks?
0: absolutely of course man <laughs> it's legal to have a beer outside, man, in front of all the kids <laughs> playing on the playground.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, so yeah, um, Cassandra, uh, we're really glad you joined us. Um, you're welcome to ask us any questions or um, say some stuff before you go.
2: Do you guys know anybody that has COVID um, or have um, you know anybody that's gotten
1: it? I just got stories of like friends, family members.
0: No, I don't, I don't know anybody, but every time I cough or sneeze, I just, I'm, I'm thinking of the worst, but then it just goes away in an hour. Um, but no, I don't, I don't know anybody that's got it. My mom is a nurse and she works at Corona Regional and she just, she has, she deals with patients that have had it, but I don't think she knows anybody personally either that has gotten it. Do you know anybody personally that has, has got it? Me? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I have a friend, she uh, she came down with symptoms that sound very similar to COVID, and she actually got tested twice, and both times her tests were negative,
0: mm. so... Um, Maybe allergies, no, I'm kidding.
2: So she, I don't know if she has allergies, but I mean, she had the shortness of breath, and like, the runny nose, and the sore throat, and like, all that fever, body aches, and um, she's actually still sick, so, I mean, we're just assuming that she does have it. At this point, even though the tests were negative, because we're finding that a lot of the tests are coming back negative, but they're false negatives. So,
0: geez, that's scary. And how how do they take? I mean, how do they administer the tests? I, I saw some posts online that says it's very painful to get tested. Oh, it
2: is. I actually got tested myself at work. So.
0: What, do, what do they do? They, they shut they,
2: it's like um, it's a, it looks like a Q-tip almost, uh-huh. but if you look really closely. It's like a little yeah, bit of a
1: nasal swabs, swab, right?
2: Yeah, it's like a little bit of a spiked Q-tip, and it just goes all the way down your nose to the back of your throat on both yeah. sides. <sighs>
1: uh-uh. it,
2: I, you know, I, I, I used to do this to patients all the time for the flu, and I always thought, like, oh, I don't know what the big deal is. It's just a small Q-tip. Like, why are they always overreacting? But I had it done to myself, and it hurts so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, staying, any, I'm okay. staying
1: inside. Are any serological tests being used yet? Um, Not that I'm
2: aware of. At least not at my hospital, I know that there was a lab company in my county that was starting to do serum tests um but they were finding that they're not super accurate, so a lot of people i mean people are going to use them, but they're not accurate as accurate as I think as people were hoping
1: so hmm.
0: mm-hmm. well I'm hoping, I'm hoping it disappears in the summer. I think it's gonna to be a seasonal thing. <laughs>
1: I don't, you were I don't, saying, you felt like 2020 was over. 2020 is over.
0: <laughs> it's done. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. Whatever plans you had, wrap, wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. hey, close the books on your trips and everything. But I'm saying, I mean, the first year of a pandemic, whatever the case may be, I feel like it's going to be like the flu. Every time it gets a little bit cold, um, it might flare up, just like the regular flu. Yeah, okay yeah because they said i
1: develop immunity
0: they and they said like oh it dies in some temperature above i don't know what the temperature is for it to die on services yeah yeah. was it like was it like 140 140 degrees no i don't think it was that high i thought i thought it was like like an ambient temperature of like 80 degrees or something would kill it Hmm. anyway uh, no no, don't don't quote me on that i'm not i'm not i'm not a scientist
2: I hope it goes away, um, but also I'm kind of afraid for it to come back in the fall if it does, just because it, a lot of the symptoms are similar to the flu, so it'll be hard to
0: differentiate between the flu, I think. Yeah, until they come up with that vaccine. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Cassandra, um, glad you are on. Like I was saying before, we're really grateful, and, um, yeah, um, I guess we might invite you on since you were so kind and so gracious and so great at answering our questions, like depending on just like COVID-19's way of maybe uh, like spreading more or less. We just, yeah, we might ask you back. Um, We're just glad you're on once. And so, yeah, we appreciate it and stay safe. Yeah, thank you, Cassandra. Thank you. Yeah, so usually after our three or two main topics, we bring y'all an extra topic, and we're going to discuss um, Alabama trying to, or well, just proposing some law on um, making vasectomies mandatory for men at 50 years old. So during February, an Alabama bill was proposed to require men over 50 or with three kids or more, to be required to get a vasectomy. Supposedly, it was to bring some accountability to men as abortion laws were banned by an Alabama judge soon before. Um, if it were passed, men were to pay for their own vasectomies, and the U.S. Supreme Court um, ruled forced sterilization unconstitutional. I figure it was like an Eighth Amendment right, like it might be like cruel and unusual.
0: Um, That's weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess I just want to get your opinion real quick on making vasectomies mandatory for men over 50 or men with three or more kids. That
0: sounds ridiculous, man. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds absolutely crazy. I don't even know. I don't even know how I got so far up the chain to, to where people actually voted on it. Oh, it like, was just proposed. Oh, it was just proposed? I know. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Well, um, I think, um, yeah, no, it sounds ridiculous. Why would you have to go get surgery? Why don't you? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. The, yeah, it gov- yeah. like
1: it's kind of satirical, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: the government should have, I don't know, no say on what you should do with your body. You know what I'm saying?
1: Okay. It's, it's yeah, I mean, well, so like I was saying, it was um, like the abortion laws were brought up. So, like, uh, making it legal or illegal for someone to get an abortion was brought up, and I guess the vasectomy idea went. Right along with it, because like um, some people really try to push um, for making abortion illegal and so on because um, they say it's murder. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my opinion um, is basically, um, I mean, just overall for like population control, I actually um, feel like it's a good idea for people to keep from birthing too many babies um, because at the current rate of population growth, um, t- 10 billion people will be on earth before the next 50 years are up so last week we discussed like global warming and unless vast improvements are made to sustain the planet and enlarge population will only worsen the process of global warming yeah, so also oh sorry oh yeah we're just gonna say yeah
0: no I was, I was gonna say it reminds me um i mean what you're saying is china had a, a one child only policy i don't know if you've yeah. heard of it um yeah. Yeah, I heard of it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of like propaganda and you know they, they basically um, I know called, like announced to the nation through propaganda that you guys should only be having one kid and yeah. people were shamed like socially um, for having like more than one
1: child. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, also the amount of land for all of the people to go along with the land used for resources including industry um, to go with forests and animal habitats it is supposed to be considered for like regulation of population as well. Like just thinking like it's just going to be people on the planet might lead to some detrimental causes as well. Um, So with the population making its way to like 10 billion people and like the um, satellite view or bird's eye view um, of the surface area of land on earth being at like sixty million square miles with upwards of 50 percent of it being um, difficult to alter um, into domestic land because it's like desert or mountain um, so even if we were to include the desert or mountain part and get like the full number i guess um there would still only be like three acres of land per person and like i was saying it would include land um used for resources um to stay to sustain the people Um, And also to preserve wildlife. So um, basically, it just seems like three acres per person with all the wildlife, with all the industry it takes, um, with uh, farming it takes and so on. Three acres per person just seems like such a small amount. So even with tactics like vertical farming and carbon emission reductions, I still feel like increasing the population is for a time with more practice trials for more people. So like, um, I feel like the population ought to stay um, the same until we figure out ways to manage the earth uh, better. So yeah, um, I feel like until the outlook of the planet is good, keeping the population regulated is way better. I feel like it's wrong to force people into getting vasectomies, but I also think it's smart to personally consider people doing their part to keep the population under control. Um, Genetic variation is an important factor to consider too um, when it comes to like population. So it'd be smart for the large majority of people um, to still procreate just to keep genetic variation going to keep all people from being like the exact same. So I suggest one child per parent. And I feel like it's smart um, for at least the present generation. Um, So yeah. If at some point um, the globe is figured out to like a better extent and um, it's easier for people to keep on going um, and keep on growing as far as population is concerned, um, I guess it'll be okay. But before, um, I feel like it's good for the population to stay the same, just to keep it from getting out of control. So, Yeah. Um, We brought y'all all all of our topics, and usually to end each episode, we bring y'all our tangent section. So sometimes it's like on topic, sometimes it's off topic. Um, I'm going to basically tell of Mother's Day. Um, Since Mother's Day is so close, um, it's on May 10th. So to commemorate moms, I made a small poem on why moms are so great, and I'm going to suggest some Mother's Day gifts also. So um, my poem goes as you kept me warm and swarmed me with your embrace. Your love for me is great and made sure to fill my space for love and care requited as my stature grew through being slighted. So for you, I tell you, I am grateful for your kind of exemplified true feelings for me being part of your ceiling of love. So, yeah, just a quick poem for moms. Um, Y'all care. So I felt like it was good to reciprocate or um, tell of why we care and so on. So for Mother's Day gift ideas, um, since so many places um, are experiencing um, large numbers of like closures and stuff, getting your mom um, gifts for Mother's Day might be kind of difficult. So some of my ideas include getting flowers, wine, pictures, or just like usual mailed gifts of love sent. So get some stuff sent to your mom. Um, Run some of your mom's errands or get done with some of your mom's daily tasks. Um, Replace or fix one of your mom's old or broken products. uh, Make a meal or reminisce over your favorite times with your mom. So yeah, for mother's day um maybe try to be creative since so much is different different because of COVID 19 and so on so yeah um i guess we're all done for our episode um sam you're welcome to um, maybe give some last words and so on
0: oh no i'm all good man thank you guys for joining us um and we'll see you next week
1: yep yeah enjoy your week all right. i love you mommy <laughs>
0: yeah we got it we got it the first time
1: okay